0: Today we finish our sermon series on the life of Joseph, and for me as your pastor leading us through this story, I was personally moved and challenged and changed by what God was saying to us through this narrative in Genesis. As we close today, this narrative has been ramping up and building up to this dramatic moment where the long lost and sold into slavery brother, unknown to his other brothers, but, but standing there before them reveals himself. And like we saw in last week's sermon, Joseph's unveiling will, how do we say it? It will bring down the house. A household. A family. Operating and living With guilt and fear and lies, a house, a household driven and dragged down by 20 years of of an old sin of selling their brother into Egyptian slavery. But contrary to the fact that this household and this family of broken brothers might have operated on guilt and sin, little did they know or probably recognize, this household and people had at its foundation the promise and dream of God through Joseph to save his people. Little did they know and recognize over the last 20 years that they had a God in their story who was, who is, and will be always and forever their Lord. Come with good news then for you and me this morning. Like this story and its dramatic ending. It doesn't matter. I want to say it don't matter where you've come from, where you are right now, or where you may be going. If Jesus is your redeemer, like Joseph for his brothers, it means that, yes, the Lord was always and forever there that he is always and forever here, and you guessed it, this ain't rocket science, he will always and forever be there. In this passage before the one that we have printed in your bulletin, the Bible tells us that Judah, the oldest brother, Tells Joseph their 20 year old brother soul, daddy is sad and will die if we don't return with Benjamin's story, hoping that Joseph will understand and show mercy for their broken family dynamics and just let them go back home without penalty. And the Bible says this happens at the beginning of chapter 45. Then Joseph. After hearing this story, he could not control himself. Before all those who stood by him, he cried, May everyone go out from me so no one stayed with him. When Joseph made himself known to his brother, no one meaning his, 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 uh, his attendants and, and people around him, and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For the the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. And then this famous anchor verse in chapter 50 that you have printed here. When Joseph brothers, and this is after um, they think that this is after Jacob dies. Let me pick up as in verse 20, actually. And they're afraid that Joseph is going to treat them bad because he loved his dad and not them. And he says this in verse 20 in chapter 50. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as you are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now I want you to see And what I want you to see is that this was not Joseph's good news that he was alive and that God had worked it all out. But it was good news for his condemned brothers and father, because it let them know that the Lord, guess what, y'all? That the Lord was always and forever there over all the bad for your good. And Joseph is is not only unveiling, therefore, who he is, but he is revealing God's hand in and over the bad things and experiences over the last 20 years that all the bad and sin that that was committed against me, he's saying, and and all the sin that I felt and endured by your hands, my brothers, and, and jealousy and all the sin you felt by your dad favoring one wife and two sons over you, the Lord had a plan for all of that. That God somehow, had divinely acted in his sovereignty, right? That he led with divine exactness and detailed to bring it to his glorious and good end for you and me. So that your sin, all the bad, all the evil, could not and did not destroy the dream and foretold predestined, pre-divinely determined, good that God had planned for you. Joseph is saying, God took your jealousy and selling me into slavery, lying to your dad, For me to what? Go ahead of you so that you would not die. But more than that, that the mercy, right? The promise hesed, the the loving kindness that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and now your father Jacob, right? But would not die. But, But more than that, that the mercy, right? The loving kindness of God would not be lost and swallowed up by your own mistakes and mess and sins and ignorance and insecurity and lust and grief greed, and murderous intent. God planned to be good to you, and nothing, not even you, could stop that. Nothing you could have done, or nothing that it could have been done to you or us or by us could have, des- could have stopped what I would describe as the divine train, right, That was already le- that already left the station of eternity past, coming full speed for your good and God's glory. In the New Testament book of Romans, Paul puts it this way. And we know that for those who love God, and for the, who, those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We all come from some messed up histories. For some of us, the guilt and strain of that makes it hard to move on. We can't let go of past sins or past mistakes or past issues or past histories and past family stuff. And it won't let go of us. And you know what? We just can't seem to make it fit into anything good. It doesn't it doesn't equal good. It means something evil has won. But you know what's interesting? It is not your job and my job to make it fit or work in your own minds of how whatever you did or whatever you went through was for his glory and your good. And some of you are Going through things from even the immediate past, right? Even last night and this morning. And wonder not only why, but how, God. Are you going to make it through this one? Or with this mistake, the Bible's message is good news. Better news than you can make up for yourself. All the things. I said all the things. You or the devil or your family meant for or should result in something evil or bad, God somehow was all over it, all in the details, before some of you even, even before some of you even knew there was a God, or wanted to acknowledge there was a God, or wanted to listen to or follow God, and, and some of you even trying to keep your sin going. He was all over it, taking it and shaking it for your good as you, as you and I tried to screw things up for yourself and others. God took those screw-ups and made them into screws, right, to tighten his grip on you and me and build his plan around us. God used and took all for his glory and your good. How? Because he's God. God. Why? Because he is the Lord. What you meant for evil, what whoever was in your life meant for evil, if you are in Christ, God meant it and uses it for good. But the Lord is not a grace machine. He does, and he does not redeem grace. He does not redeem machines but he is a divine being redeeming human beings. I say this because it is important for us to recognize that the plans of God are carried out with the same degree of touch and feel and sensitivity and emotion that we see in Joseph that day when he reveals who he is and alleviates his brother's guilt and sin. Look with me again at chapter 45. I could read this thing 20 times. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out for me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And the Bible says he wept so aloud that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? And then in verse 12, it says this. And now your eyes see and eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and all that you've seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck and he kissed All his brothers and wept upon them. Then, after that, his brothers talked to him. Joseph is overcome with emotions for the story of his brothers and his father. He sends the Egyptian servants away, why? So that he can freely be who he really is, to to freely bear his heart, and so his brothers would realize that this thing was personal, and not about his job as the prince, but more about his joy to be rejoined with his brothers and fathers according to the plan of God. Joseph has been waiting for this moment all of his adult life, and it is a moment that his family, get this, these brothers and father have been needing to know for 20 years that Joseph is alive. But more than that, he feels and he knows them. Now, it didn't click with his brothers in the same way. I'm Joseph. The Bible says they're a little dismayed they probably thinking, oh, crap, we definitely dead, y'all. It was better if he was just some mad Egyptian that we didn't do anything against. But this is like that, you know, the little punk for you Carlitos way, folks. This Billy Blanco, right, that Carlito humiliated and kicked out of the club, who has risen to avenge with swag, right? This, This is a situation, right? We beat up our little brother. He grew up. He's a man. We in trouble. But the Bible shows us that Joseph doesn't give them what they deserve, but what they needed to be right before God. What did they need? They needed to have someone feel them. To feel the weight and sheer strain and pain of their guilt. And through Joseph... And though Joseph rather felt it from the other direction as the one who received and knew the story through personal pain and struggle, he also felt the alienation, guilt, and suffering they not only gave out but had to live under. It's like coming to the same point from different directions but experiencing the same journey he felt without actually being them but being with them in their and not being with them in their sinful ways. And it comes out in an explosion of love and weeping and kisses and welcome. His brothers were so pressed by sin and their history, they needed a good cry too. So the Bible says basically, Joseph cries for them. They feel condemnation, he cries at commendation. They feel imprisoned by guilt, he cries for their freedom. He feels them which means he knows their story. He knows what's at the root of their story. Personally, as one who felt it, he knows them even when they didn't know him. People, the good news for us is that right now, God is always and forever here as the Lord who is present in your story who feels you, who is emotional about and over you, who connects with what you are feeling and, what you, and, and what's done. Though he comes from a non-sinner direction, he comes and meets sinners on a very personal and emotional level. The Lord himself knows the depth and strain and pain of your story and struggle. Jesus much like Joseph did for his brothers, came to be God feeling your humanity. Jesus, like Joseph did that day, cleared the heavens of his holy attendant to come to earth to be up close and up in the human experience, your experience, right? To weep and feel compassion and joy and pain all of what you experience in the suffering and alienation of sins and mistakes without himself being a sinner and mistaken, Jesus is a physical person and sign and truth that God, the God of heaven, the God that made everything, is emotionally, personally moved and involved with your and my stories. That he is divinely gushing with true concern and emotions and love for you as one who can actually fix your life. Look back at verses. See, we can start here so we don't repeat too much. Verse four. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine famine in the land these two years, and, and there yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land. And then in verse 15 in chapter 50, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers in their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when he spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him. And he said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. For I am I in a place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Why? To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. These brothers, they don't immediately know Joseph's intentions just with the tears. He might have been doing the mob thing, right? If you like watching mob movies, where he kisses you and then slaps you gently on his cheek. Tony, don't cry. Your mama would have been proud of you. You know when they start talking past tense? You, you were a good one. They're thinking maybe he's crying because he's about to kill him, right? And he feels kind of like the mob kind of crying. No, these tears and emotional feeling is not those of revenge or just him being glad to say, I made it, y'all tried to kill me, but ha-ha, I'm here, suckers. That ain't it. No, these are tears of being glad that God brought him to fix their dilemma. I got a little Mr. Fix-It in me. I try to fix a lot of things. I end up having people to come behind and have to fix it again. But you ever, you know, when you find the right gift for somebody, when you find the right way you can help somebody, sometimes, okay, just let y'all know, sometimes I get like goosebumps, right? I really need this. And I got it. I'm like, I got it. I got it for you. And I, I, I get emotional when I think I can help you, especially when I got the thing you need. I, you know, so I, I take almost, I take a lot of things like, wow, God must have been in it. I need a three-quarter wrench. I found one this morning, right? I get emotional about that, especially when it's your kids, you know? That it, oh, At Christmas time, Oh, you've been hearing them all year long. Daddy, I need this. Daddy, I want that. That. And you give it to them, You, you want it worse than they want it. I am the worst at giving gifts. I can't wait. When Kelly's like, just put it away and give it at a different time. No, I want to give it today. So it is with God. God has tears of joy over sinners and broken believers like you and me. Because he has come just for that, to fix our lives, to reconcile us with ourselves and each other and him, to make what was lost and broken and messed up and screwed up, found and forgiven. And the Lord personally loves and likes to do that. That's the kind of God you serve, that even if it has cost him his life and his human dignity, he loves and has joy to give you new life and renewed dignity. I mean, Joseph is painted up and shaved up like a hated Egyptian. He is separated from his father and the promised land, and somehow he finds and feels joy in it for their redemption. You know what the Bible says about Jesus' suffering journey as God come to earth and painted up and planted in our humanity and coming to our earth and in our world to feel and feel our story, to then be crucified and lose his dignity and lose his holy connection with the Father's favor. Get this now. Hebrews, a New Testament book, says this. That we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Get this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What? For the joy of seeing you and me free from sin and guilt, running free and struggling hard against sin like a victor, Jesus endured the curse of sin on the cross. Jesus wants to desires to, enjoys to, live to, loves to forgive and make us right and clean and living true before God. It is God's pleasure to bless you sinners. It is God's pleasure to get in the mud with you. It was God's joy to do what it takes to bring you out and redeem you. But that's only part of the full picture for Joseph's brothers and me and you, right? The geographical, meteorological, I made that word up. I I spelled it like 20 times, but the spell check wouldn't work. The people at Wikipedia and Word need to get with it. You can't even say it, meteorological. That's probably why they don't make it a word. But it's a word. Major to English at Clemson. I know that's a word. But the geographical, meteorological background is this. His family lives in Canaan, and Joseph lives in Egypt. There is a famine in the land. And let me tell you all what famine in the land means. Famine in the land back then meant somebody was going to die. That's why he says, I'm here to save many lives, not everybody life, because when they have a famine back then, somebody gonna go without eating for a while, somebody gonna get sick, somebody gonna get a cold, ain't no medicine like that, ain't no antibiotics, somebody gonna die. Okay? So there is this real serious challenge, right? There's famine in the land, and they're having to go back and forth to get grain that Joseph is sitting on top of and has keys to. So Joseph sees his place and called by God as the one who was sent ahead to be there to bring them out of their famished life and into the place God had provided through him for them. Now, understand that Canaan was God's promised land for his people. So, leaving there, even in a famine, was serious business. Y'all know that now because of what's going over in Israel, right? Leaving that place, some folk going to die, right? Messing around over there, saying this is mine and this is yours, even to this day for Israelites, is a serious situation. I'm going to leave it at that. And so knowing the seriousness of the promised land, we see Jacob pray to God before moving to Egypt and being rejoined with his favorite son, Joseph. Look with me at verse uh, 1 in chapter 46. L- listen to what he says. So Israel took his journey with all he had and came to Beersheba. And he offered sacrifice to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Israel is also Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Okay. Egypt was where and there God would bless them. It was a place God made a way for them to come. And Joseph was the one who was called and promised to make a way. Now I'm going to go through and read all those scriptures between verse 5 and 28, because we got kids in here today and it's kind of hot. But... Through verses 5 and 28 of chapter 45, we see all this provision, camels and mules and grains, and, 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 and he got a good relationship with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's happy, yay, let's bring the whole family here, let's bring a whole nation here, let's get the AT, you know, let's get the U-Haul trucks, let's, let's load everybody up, let's get the Winnebago's, let's get the family, let's roll down. Why? Joseph had worked all that out already. These poor Hebrews had no earthly way to get out of a place cursed with famine famine, to the place of God's blessing for them. It will take Joseph's blessing to bring them where God will have them go. All the stuff. Now, I know that some of us here are stuck. We know God's salvation. We've even been forgiven by God. But we got some real hang-ups, strongholds, latent circumstances in the spirit and in the circumstantial physical, right? That make it hard to move on and up and out of where we are. Sometimes Jesus' people, if you're not a Christian today, let me let y'all know in a family secret. Sometimes Jesus' people find themselves as God blessed people in a broken world. Blessed people in a famished marriage, blessed people in famished singleness, Bless people in a famishing parent situation, in a famished family stuff, famished finances, famished neighborhoods, famished civil rights, famished morality, famished job situations. I think it's only fitting today with this being our last Sunday worshiping in a neighborhood theater that we recognize that God has blessed us in and with this place. But it has become a famine in so many ways of what God has for us as blessed people in church. But let me temper your personal excitement from what happened in this story, in the story of Christ Central Church building situation, where we had feces coming down the wall, and rats running down the aisles, and vomit in various places that it shouldn't have been, and worse, rumors that we'll be closed down next week of being sold to a new owner, of construction, of lost parking, of a struggling income and space, it took 10 years. And for Israel, it took 20 years and a two-year famine. But guess what? God moved. God was moving and bringing them out, even though circumstantially it seemed and appeared that they weren't. God was bringing them out, even though they were still in it. God had won their future freedom, even though they were battling and struggling in the present. But God will always and forever be there to bring you and me out of whatever and wherever you are stuck and tempted to not believe. Whenever he does act, I promise... The Lord will change your life in his time and in his direction and by his terms. He promises he is bringing us out and in closer to him and closer to what? He would have you to be not only here, but there, right? When Jacob says here, when the Bible says, when God tells Jacob here that that Joseph is going to close your eyes, I want y'all, those who have good memories of what you read, remember what Jacob said. Hey, look. If things don't work out, if I don't see Joseph as Benjamin is lost, what? I'm gonna be in hell is basically what saying my life is gonna be a living hell. What's God promising here? Joseph is gonna close your eyes. What was hell for you? Through Joseph, I'm gonna make heaven. Joseph tells his brothers that God sent him ahead to make a place for his family to be brought to. I don't know how long on this, I I don't have to take long on this, but Jesus, being our Joseph, the Bible says that he left earth physically, left us to go ahead of us to heaven to prepare a place for you and me. In fact, Jesus himself said, let not your hearts be troubled. "'Believe in God, believe also in me. "'In my Father's house are many rooms. "'If it were not so, would I I have told you "'that I go to prepare a place for you? "'And if I go to prepare a place for you, "'I will come again and will take you to myself, "'that where I am, you may be also.'" And Thomas said, "'Lord, we do not know the way you are going. "'How can we know the way?' "'Jesus said to him, "'I am the way.'" The truth and the life. Joseph's brother, his father, and all of all his people with him at that time were going to a place where their famine would be over, where they'd be embraced fully and lived completely guilt-free and in the full experience of God's loving kindness in a place far away from where they were. God sent Jesus ahead of us facing our penalty of our sins for us, taking our sins, then rising again and ascending into heaven to be seated in the highest place. And from there and through him alone, we who are his are promised to that we will one day be there with him, away from all the sorrow, away from all the tears, away from all the struggles and problems and, and all of life's famine, always and forever to a place Allah Andre Crouch, where the, we will finally be and be with and see our king with no more crying there and no more dying there and no more trying there, right? No more pain, no more sin, no more devil, that where we are now is on a one-way course set and made possible by Jesus to be there with him Forever it was and is and already will be always and forget forever God's dream for you through Jesus to be away from our world's mess and sin and with him and under the kisses and embrace and joy of God all over us. Always and forever. Forever. The song, the title of this sermon is taken from, I would try not to sing it, that was put out by the Soul Group Heatwave back in 76. I was alive then and had these following words. Always and forever, each moment with you, this is God talking. It's just like a dream to me. That somehow came true. And I know tomorrow will still be the same. Because we've got a life of love that won't ever change. And we'll share tomorrow, together, forever and ever and ever. God promises. That the predestined dream of our redemption from all things broken and unloving to us has, is, and will come true always and forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, wherever we are, in the middle of something...